Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, our guest is the executive director of Anoka County Historical Society, Rebecca Ebnet Desens. She's here to answer questions about Anoka, Minnesota, the Halloween capital of the world. We talk about cigar smoking ghosts, math hungry bulls, and the biggest celebration of pumpkin stamps. <laughs> So I'm a big fan of Halloween. Uh, we're in October. We're what? Neck, no, we're not even neck deep. No, we're at neck deep. It's it's the fourth. I can say that's neck deep. I'm just wondering how what their level of water of October is going. Um, and I love doing research on Halloween. Halloween is my favorite holiday. And uh, I can't remember exactly when it was, but a few years ago, I found uh, Anoka, Minnesota. Found out Anoka, Minnesota. Uh, one Google search came up, and they're like, "Hey." Anoka, Minnesota is the Halloween capital of the world. And when I found out that uh, Halloween was going to be on a Saturday on 2020, I was like, I should probably visit this place. This would be amazing. That didn't happen. Uh, I, with, with the pandemic, I, I, I'm stuck at home. So I contacted uh, I contacted Rebecca from the, the, you said director, right? I am. Okay, excellent. Of the Historical Society of Anoka, Minnesota. So... What can you tell us about Anoka? Oh, there's so much. Uh, first of all, hopefully everyone knows where Minnesota is, right? We're in the yeah. northern reaches <laughs> of beyond, all right? And then Anoka County is bordering Hennepin County. So we call Minneapolis-St. Paul neighbors. Um, so we're kind of central to the state. And then Anoka City is relatively center to Anoka County, give or take. That's really rough geography. So it's on the confluence of the Rum River and the Mississippi River, which is important when we're talking about the, the history of the town. Um, it was originally Dakota and Ojibwe land. Um, and so then when that whole fiasco happened and uh, we had you know Father Hennepin and a few other guys wandered in and they discovered it was a great transportation hub because of these two rivers coming together. And so the logging industry really took off at that point. Um, people got bored of logging at one point and started growing potatoes. And there was a potato starch factory or three and a lot of milling industry. And uh, it just took off from there as any other town does in the United States. So um, yeah, we, we built dams, we built roads. You know, it's it's a pretty typical story. I, uh, I for, you know, we're recording this just after 24-hour comic book day. Uh, this episode will air, I think, in two weeks. Um, and I was talking to someone in Sweden, and they're like, oh, I'm from Minnesota. And I was like, oh, do you know about Noka? And they're like, no. And I was like, how? I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a big Halloween nerd. And so when I found out that we have the Halloween capital of the world and it's in Minnesota, I was like, everyone in Minnesota should know about this. <laughs> we also have a Swede town. Uh, in Anoka, so you could oh. tell your Swedish person that they missed out twice. So oh, I don't, I don't think we're going to talk again. I think it was just a <laughs> random encounter. Uh, everyone was streaming for 24-hour comic book day, and they, they were because like it was weird. It was Friday that I contacted a bunch of people who were doing 24-hour comic book day, but they were in the future, so they were already started, and it felt very strange with skyping and streaming, seeing the sun 
way before it's going to get to me. And that was kind of, uh, I don't like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the sun. And so seeing it early was not, a, was not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Halloween is a month long situation in Anoka. So we, we can't just go on the nighttime stuff. There's sunrise, sunset, the whole nine yards. So it's a month long process. Um, lots of activities that happen in Anoka. That you're, so so when the pandemic is lifted, I'm I'm nowhere. I'm gonna I gotta I gotta go visit. It's gotta happen. It's weeks um, at a time you could spend there, hang out one, at the bed and breakfast. When one time uh, someone said to me that I should go to Halloween in Salem, and I was like, uh, I already I already been to Hallow- uh, Salem on Halloween. I I have a list of places I have to visit on Halloween, and Anoka's on it. Like now that I can't go anywhere, it's like right it's it's at the top of the list now. Um, <laughs> How did Anoka become the Halloween capital of the world? Well, since you asked. Just, uh, you know, off the top just, of my head. <laughs> uh, back in the 19-ish, uh, the Anoka Union newspaper was doing a really good job of promoting Halloween and all the festivities that were going on in town, all the parties, the decorations, and they made it sound really fun, but it was only adults. And so you had all these kids running around. We're like, but, but I want a little bit of fun too, because Halloween sounds amazing and I don't get invited to these parties. So by the time 1919 happened, um, they were pranking a lot of the town. And when I say pranking, I don't just mean, you know, like toilet papering the, the neighborhood tree here. Um, you know, they were, they were soaping windows, first of all. And they were uh, overturning some outhouses and putting wagons on roofs and my personal favorite, um, letting the cows out. So the cows were found wandering the, the streets. And most importantly, uh, one of the cows, it was a bull. Um, this was November 1st, 1919. So one of the bulls actually was led into the school and was wandering around. And the next morning they found him snacking on some math books. Um, so, which I personally am fine with because I'm a literary person, not a math person, but so Mr. I totally Green, know how you feel when you said, when you said bull was eating math book, I was like, yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> I, I want to be friends with that bull. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so there was this, this gentleman named George Green and, uh, he ran the theater in town. So he had a vested interest in trying to keep the hooligans at bay so that he could keep his business going. And, you know, it's it's important to think about right now too. And it's, you know, 1919, you're just coming off of the First World War. You're coming off of this flu pandemic that's going on. You've got prohibition that just started. You've got the women's suffrage movement that's going on. Um, so there's a lot of basic chaos that's going on in the world that people are getting pretty worked up about. They're pretty tense. So, you know, to step on some people's pranks might make some people upset and we wouldn't want to do that. So, so George Green, you know, he's trying to hold it together through all the war and everything with his poor theater. And uh, he thought, you know what, let's, let's do a celebration for the kids. Let's make this a little bit more fun for everybody. And uh, so he pulled together the Anoka Commercial Club and the Kiwanis groups, and they created the first Halloween committee. And that helped the schools join in, and it, it brought it to a big community head, essentially. 
So they created a giant parade and they had costumes and the band was leading it. And there was a bonfire afterwards and candy and popcorn and apples because, you know, apples were the old Snickers, I guess. And, you know, the police department, the fire department, the National Guard, everyone turned out for this parade. So there was 500 strong here. And, and that's really where it started. Newspaper really played it up. You know, there was resplendent in myriad lights. And, uh, you know, the merchants were vying for the contests. And, you know, the Lincoln Mill had two huge pumpkins out front. And uh, apparently at 730, the mill whistles started to go off and then all the sirens started to go off and more. So anybody that had anything that made noise in Anoka started making noise. And apparently this could be heard miles and miles and miles away. So it was quite the din. And we went on from there. George Green, uh, when, when I first heard that it was the Halloween capital world and his name came up, it just said he was a businessman. And I was like, what business? I want to know what business, because like, it, it's, I mean, businessman, that's cool. But then you said theater. I was like, ah, now he's so much cooler. <laughs> We've actually got some of the the ads that were run in the theater before the show started. Um, so our, our collection's really an interesting piece of, of Anoka County history there. So I would love this. And these are on your website? Yes. Yes. Okay, good. And so we could we could pull together a special gallery if you want. You could post it on your website. We could everybody could go and visit all the things we're talking about. I just would really love these to see the uh the art of nineteen twenty, just to just to see how someone would advertise something back then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We can work that out. I I I I I, I read about the cows being released, but the wagon on the roof? Yeah. I don't know if I'd be really mad more than, I, I, I guess, you know, I'd be mad because now I have to get it down, but that would be pretty impressive. Like, I would come out and be like, huh, how did they do that? <laughs> I, I don't want to speak for them. You know, I, I wasn't there, you know, to be fair. Um, my hunch is maybe- Spoiler they, alert. Yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, but my hunch is maybe they took it apart, you know, and maybe rebuilt it on the roof instead of trying Still to- Still awesome. Winch it up, but yeah. So they were creative. You gotta give them points for being creative. That's still more work than I'm. I'm. I'm never going to put a wagon on someone's roof. I'm. No. That's not gonna happen. That's not on my on my list of things that I can do in a night. That's definitely not there. No. No. <laughs> no. Not at all. Um, it's interesting because I uh, we we talked when we first spoke. Uh, we did talk. Well, I I didn't know too much about the Spanish flu prior to this pandemic. Um, and then when I was looking at the, uh, when I saw that it's the 100th anniversary of the of the first big Halloween celebration in 1920, um, I I realized I was like, oh, Spanish flu was 19, what was it? I can't believe I'm blanking out the name, number. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the Trump. When was the Spanish flu? Was it 1918? 19- yeah, you got it. Okay, good, good, good. Because I know Trump like always says 1917, and I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want, <laughs> especially with a history nerd. <laughs> geek. We prefer. You're gonna go with geek. Yes. Yes. I always, I always, it's weird because I remember for a long time, uh, I would say that geeks are the people who are really into history that doesn't matter, like nerdy. Like now I'm going to nerdy. Weird. Okay, cool. But history geek. I'm okay with that. I love the word geek. I think it's a fun word. Um. 
But when I saw, I, I, I went online and it said that the uh, Spanish flu ended in 1920 and in like April of 1920, I was like, wow, all that pent up energy being released <laughs> on Halloween. And uh, that could like, I, I, I was like, that makes sense that people would really want to celebrate something. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think, you know, history repeats itself. Uh, so here we are at Halloween and there's a lot of pent up energy out there right now, too. So I. I think from that perspective, this is a really interesting time because in some ways you can use your imagination and you can you can try to feel what people would have been feeling 100 years ago. And it's it's not the same. Obviously, we're not coming off of a world war. We're not, you know, it, it's far, far more settled than, yeah. than it ever would have been in 1920. But you're. Your, the, the women's rights movement is is creating a lot of um, division among the classes and among the races as well. Um, you know, it wasn't a unified movement at all. Um, prohibition, you know, again, it, there's so much division going on with prohibition. And, and there was just nothing unifying communities at this point. Um, people had nothing, nothing to really cross boundaries and pull themselves together like that. So something like Halloween comes along and it's a, a universal holiday. It's something that allows an escapism. It's something that allows people to pretend to be what they're not, um, to just lose themselves for a few hours even in, in just pretending that the world doesn't exist and to be able to move through the world with anonymity um, because of the costuming as well. So I find that really interesting that there is an escapism uh, at play with Halloween. I just, uh, I look forward to the Halloween uh, when the pandemic is over. Big, we're going to go out to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) So do we, so do we. Our fundraising is taking a hit this year. (laughs) Oh, of course, understandable. Um, Now I have the celebrations pretty much like, because I saw that you have like a Main Street parade, correct? Yep, there's a grand day parade and a light up the night parade and a big parade of little people. And I think I'm forgetting something. There's a lot of parades. And it's not that big of a town to have that. (laughs) Is it parades throughout the month or is it just (laughs) that one day you have a million parades? (laughs) It's pretty much the week before Halloween. Okay. Uh, But the the grand day parade is the the big, huge one that draws in about 60,000 people. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that number yep. <laughs> when it comes <Yep>. to parades. <laughs> no, it was by, by 1923-25, they were already reporting 10,000 people coming to the parade. Uh, so it's, it's, it's grown since then. But yeah, the population swells just a little bit. Now, uh, looking looking at the you know, when you look at the descriptions of what, how Anoka is, so how how Anoka became the Halloween capital of the world, I do want to mention the uh, or you know get detailed information from you of the uh, kid that went to Congress. The kid that went to Congress, yes. Yeah, to get it declared. Yes, he poor little guy. So here's poor little a little guy. <laughs> Well, you know, you're you're this unsuspecting 12-year-old, as far as I'm concerned, right? And he goes and he wins a paperboy contest. And so his, this is 1937, by the way. And so his name's Harold Blair. 
And he's sent to Washington, D.C. as a winner of this paperboy contest. And in in my mind, I can see the comedic side of this, of this kid getting, you know, he's winning this this contest. He's like, I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. And the town looks at him and says, awesome, wear a sweater that has a Noka written on it, <laughs> this proclamation and, you know, go declare us the Halloween capital of the world. And so this is what he does. Um, so he has a sweater with the patch of the Anoka count, the Anoka Halloween capital of the world stitched on the front. And he's got his proclamation saying that we're the Halloween capital of the world. And he marches in to Washington, D.C. and he he declares it and nobody counters him. So that's where it started. Because <laughs> when you don't have a good argument against something, you know, that's what you get. That makes <laughs> That's amazing, because like when I looked online, it just made it seem like this kid was super excited about, you know, like, oh, I love Halloween. I'm going to go and talk about Halloween. But your story, your it sounds much more realistic and hilarious. <laughs> the other way probably could have happened, too. I, you know, again, I don't know the guy, but I, I pick your way. I think it's funnier <laughs> because like, cause it's just him coming up and getting an award and having congressmen's like, what's on your sweater? Yeah. <laughs> Um, we love Halloween in my town. And the congressman's like, that's cool. Uh, can you declare us Halloween capital world? Okay. <laughs> it was official officialized in like 2002. Um, there was an actual proclamation and, and whatnot. So we, we are officially official. Uh, Garrison Keeler is from Anoka as well. And he actually declared us the Halloween capital of the universe, because if we're the only planet that celebrates Halloween, then it goes without saying that we would also be have the universe title as well. That, so. that could potentially be a declaration of war if another planet celebrates Halloween more than us. Yeah, so I don't know. You might want to cut that part out, but, you know, that's... No, I'm all for it. If, <laughs> if another planet thinks that they celebrate Halloween better than us, bring it on. Like, I'm okay with that. <laughs> End of the world starts right here, people. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I would love to find out how they got the name because, like, Halloween is specific here because, you know, uh, what's his name? Pope Gregory the Third, I think it was? One of the popes. One of the popes decided to move All Hallows' Eve to November, and they're like, all right, cool. Halloween. All Hallows' Eve. Well, the, uh, what? The Saints' Day. Saints' Day. Hallows' Day? I don't know. Either way, Saints' Day turned into All Hallows' Eve, turned into Halloween. I would love to hear a planet be like, oh, yeah, we have a different story, but we got the same name and we do it better than you. <laughs> <laughs> how, how has celebration changed throughout the years? Oh, well, other than getting enormous, um, they've added events. And um, there was a couple interesting pieces that happened. Um, let's see. In 1928, there was a wedding that happened so there was you know 10,000 people at your wedding because they did it in the middle of the festivities uh let's see in 1929 they they did a mock wedding because the 1928 wedding was so much fun that the following year five guys put on a mock wedding and that tradition's been lost through the years but uh 1937 there was a pillow fight in the boxing ring because you know boxing had gotten pretty popular by then so they actually did a pillow fight um, between a couple guys at that point. Um, 1933, they burned old man depression in effigy. 
Um, you know, so you're right in the middle of the depression at that point. So there was a little retaliation. I kind of want to burn any depression. Like if we can have, I want, I want that to be a tradition. Burn, burn an effigy of depression. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Bring the tradition back. That's brilliant. <laughs> Go on. Sorry. I, I, I got <laughs> sidetracked because that's right. When you said, oh man, depression, I didn't even think of the depression. I was just thinking of like the emotional thing that I'm like, oh, I want to build an effigy. This is, this is your sleep deprivation kicking in right about here. Uh, maybe, maybe. I don't know. This sounds like a weird thing that I would be sold on, even, you know, well-rested. <laughs> um, 1947, we had a pie-eating and pop-drinking contest. Okay, we're Minnesotans. We don't have soda, so it would be a pop-drinking contest. Um, it was about that time frame that the the kids in the parade had become so many that they split off and started doing the the kitty parade from the Grand Day Parade. So there was those changes as as things grew, people needed more places to do different events. So they started um, spreading out a little bit. Uh, the Pumpkin Bowl <laughs> started in 1948, so that was actually a football game that Anoka hosted. And it was the big pumpkin bowl. And so different teams would come in and play um, the one game at the high school and that they still do that. Um, so good old football, a little chilly, but they got it done. Do they do they have like pumpkin bowl merchandise? There are, again, on our website, part of our collection, um, there was pumpkin bowl pins, buttons uh-huh. uh, that you could use as admission to get into the games. Oh, I'm buying one. Well, see, here's the thing is that's kind of split off a little bit now. So now you've got the Halloween buttons that are fundraiser for Anoka Halloween as the, the committee. Yeah. And then you've got the pumpkin bowl is slightly separate now. So I need a million buttons and uh, more Halloween buttons, the better. So uh, but just have because I, I love pumpkin. I love pumpkin spice. I love pumpkin everything. Uh, so I'm just like pumpkin bowl. Oh, I, I need I need me one of those buttons. <laughs> um, yeah, so we. It started in 1920. It was about $400 to put the festival on. And by 1949, it was up to 2300 And, of course, now it's a little bit more, too. But, you know, buying all the kids' treats and everything, putting them all goodie bags and everything together. Uh, but through the 1950s, they started bringing in celebrities uh, to be part of the parade. So you had the cowboys at that point were really popular. So you had Smiley Burnett and Whip Wilson, Rex Allen, all those guys came in as celebrities, and uh, there was, there's quite a few stories in the, the book that's just coming out, the 100th Halloween, 100th anniversary Halloween book that the, uh, the group just published about uh, people hanging out with these guys and hosting them and having them overnight and whatnot. So, Where can we get that book? <gasps> that is a pre-order on the Anoka Halloween website right now. So we could get you a link for that, too. Because if I can't be there for the 100th Halloween, I want to buy a book to celebrate this uh, this amazing, <laughs> I don't want to say hidden, because you say the, the crowds just keep getting bigger and bigger. But every time I talk to someone who, because uh, I, I know a lot of Halloween nerds or geeks, whichever word they want to use, uh, I, I prefer to think of them as Halloweenies. Uh, but I know a lot of them, and... I feel like not enough of them know about Anoka, Minnesota being the Halloween capital of the world. Every time I mention it, someone's like, we have a Halloween capital of the world. I'm like, yeah, come on. <laughs> it is a very nice book. It's a, a nice glossy table cover, you know, um, coffee table book. 
it's got a lot of historic photos in there, but it's got a lot of submitted photos from people as well. So the community really came together. Um, there's lots of parade photos and lots of stories in there, memories. So it's it's a really nice product. It's worth worth getting. I mean, if you have like a million parades, you should have you should have lots of photos of the parade. <laughs> lots of photos. Lots of photos. It's inadvertently a really great way to track the changes down Main Street and through the neighborhoods, though, as well, because, you know, you, you're taking photos through the years of the parade, but all the buildings are changing in the back and the style of vehicle is changing that the, is pulling all the floats or the band uniforms are changing, you know, and so it's a way to track the the surrounding and the environment as well i would love to see the changing of the floats that would be a lot of fun because like uh, do, do you have a lot of photos of like the the band kind of thing where they actually had like a whole marching band on the platform uh well the bands would walk you know they would mm. they wouldn't be on the floats um there's some pretty good stories from the royalty folks about the floats though and when they needed to be repaired or not because the the princess of the time put her foot through the float and so they decided it was about time to repair the float <laughs> um but yeah there's it's gone through several iterations of various pumpkins and leaves and massive wings hanging out the sides and purple to orange and yeah it's that's a whole history in and of itself purple to orange yeah yeah there was purple float for some reason in the Anoka Halloween capital of the world. It didn't last very long. Don't worry. We went back. I, I, I'm definitely worried. I need to know more about this purple or orange. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the one where Karen put her foot through. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause like uh, pur purple and orange are two colors that I usually use in like uh, any kind of Halloween artwork. So uh, what did you, did you have elaboration on that or that, that's that's a neat little uh, when you said it's a history on its own. I'm like, do you know? <laughs> uh, it would be better in pictures. OK. And it's in the book because I would love to. I need to. Yeah. Yeah. And we could link some of those out on the website for you. And uh, it's definitely in the book as well. There's some lots of glitter what would you recommend? Like what kind of, what other kind of uh, spooky festivity is happening in Noga? Oh goodness. Um, well, there's pumpkin way off. That's been happening the last couple of years. Um, there's wine and painting nights and beer tasting and bingo and bonfires and costume contests and all sorts of coloring contests and you name it, we can put it together in a month. Um, my personal favorites are the ghost tours that the History Center puts on. I'd be lying if I didn't say that those were my favorite. What are the ghost tours? Because I, I, I have a friend who does ghost tours in L.A., and I still haven't been to one of her events, but I, I really should. But they're during a the week, so I can't make it. But uh, I would what, – what's on your – what, what special ghosts are on your tour? <laughs> are highlighted featured ghosts? <laughs> uh, so we take about a it's about a mile and a half loop through the city um, mile loop through the city and over the years this is our 18th year of doing the tours and so over the years we've collected stories from people who live in Anoka business owners that see strange things going on and we've compiled them into this tour 
And the stories change every couple of years, depending on who moves into a house and who moves out and business owners change, things like that. Um, but we have volunteer docents that take a group, typically uh, 20, 25 people around at a time. Uh, this year we can only run 10 because of the social distancing, but uh, we also have a video that we've made of this coincidentally. So if anybody is excited about the ghosts, um, they can certainly watch. They don't even have to be geographically close. They can watch that video. Um, but we we uh, quote the, the Gristogram newspaper of we know not what the truth may be. We tell it as as we've heard it, you know. Um, so it's not on us. But uh, we, we go around, um, the volunteer docents make it possible. There would be no way that we'd be able to do a tour without our volunteers. And um, one of our favorite stories is a man named Sam Starrett. He was a Civil War veteran. And he was struck by an artillery shell um, during the war. And eventually that wound made him blind. And so by the time he got back to Anoka, he married Jenny and uh, somehow managed to hold down a job as the postmaster while he's blind, <laughs> right? So we credit Jenny, I think, of a lot of behind-the-scenes work as a blind postmaster. Um, but his house, um, there it's actually in two sections. So it's on Monroe Street, which doesn't help you guys, but it's in two sections. Oh, on and, Monroe Street, you gotcha. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I'm, you totally know where that is. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but the one half of it was originally on Second Avenue, and that was built in 1867. And it was almost burned in the fire 1884 because, you know, wooden towns burn a lot. And then, like the Three Little Pigs, we learned our lesson and built everything out of brick. And it was much better moving forward. 1884 it was a good year. But that that but that year of straw was really just <laughs> yeah, yeah the straw year was the worst uh, so move it to the brick but yeah so they they said well this thing almost burned we'd better move it out of the city center you know that's like way and we might be safer and so they moved to the suburbs you know essentially three blocks out of town and they grafted it onto this other existing house on Madison. So when you look at the front of it, it looks pretty much like one house, but inside there's a step down because the, the two pieces didn't fit together exactly right. Um, so he lived there for quite a while, him and Jenny. They had a few daughters. And when the new owners took over, uh, Sam had left a number of his things there. And so the new owner says, you know, this would be really fun. Maybe we should start redecorating. And she took sam's picture off of one wall and moved it to the other wall and uh -oh. then she went to bed and in the morning she got up and the image was back on the other wall and she said well that's a little odd let's try that again so next night right she moves it to the wall where she would really like sam thank you very much and uh next morning it's back on the other wall she's like hmm maybe sam just likes it there and so that's where it hangs now. So we we don't argue with Sam because, you know, Civil War vets, you know, don't want to do that. Uh, but the, the previous owner, her daughter, too, 
had, you know, sleeping, everything's hunky-dory. She wakes up in the morning. She's kind of teenager-ish, you know, how they, in the morning. So she looks at mom and she's like, what were you doing in my bedroom? And the mom says, what are you talking about? She goes, you were standing in my room at night, your big, long, white nightgown. I didn't even know you had one of those. Mom's like, I don't have a long, white nightgown. What What are we talking about? And uh, so we're thinking that it might be Ellie, uh, who would be one of Sam's daughters at that point. Um, and there was there's there's kids' footsteps that people hear up in the attic, you know, running back and forth. And sometimes they get louder, and sometimes they're softer. But if they get too loud or they go on for too long, all the homeowner has to do is just, hey, quiet up there. And they stop. <laughs> <laughs> that changes Ghostbusters a bit. <laughs> you just have to admonish them. Keep controlling your gifts. Hey, I, hey. Yeah, keep it down up there. My personal favorite, I don't know if you're a cat person, but you know how cats are. And they sure. tend to knock things off and do their own business. And, you know, they have a kind of an attitude. So... The homeowner is, you know, there's books laying on the floor and there's this and that, you know, things are being knocked off flat surfaces, which one could blame on the cat who is named Leo for the sake of conversation. And so one particular day, they're like, Leo, stop knocking things off all the, stop. And then they see Leo walking across the grass outside. (laughs) That wasn't Leo. Huh? Must have been Sam. So, I would I would like to. Th- I, I was hoping you were going to tell me a ghost story about a ghost cat. <laughs> well, I, I suppose we could probably dig one of those up too, but you know. No, nah, that's okay. I just uh, uh, I I was like I, I was getting kind of worried about this family because uh, cats already don't obey the rules of physics. I would just really <laughs> a ghost cat is going to take that to a whole another level because I've I've seen cats. When they're knocking stuff down, I've said, hey, don't do that. And they look me dead in the eye, and they still knock it down. Not even oh, yeah. look, looking at the thing, just looking right at me like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Them and two-year-olds. There's no manners. Yeah. Absolutely. If anything, no if anything they, they like the attention. They're like, hey, cool. Check <laughs> gravity out. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm cute and fluffy. Uh-huh. So I would assume that a ghost cat would be so much worse. <laughs> That's not tempt fate. We already did that with the Halloween thing with the universe, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you also mentioned, uh, what was it? You you re- you sent me an email about a pumpkin thing. Right? Oh, oh do, are we still going on ghost stories? Because I would love to hear more. Oh, you want to hear another one? Okay. Oh, uh, if you want to tell, so I love hearing ghost stories. Oh, well, we got, we got piles of ghost stories. <laughs> uh, my other favorite one would be Colonial Hall. And so this was built in uh, 1904 by the Doctors Aldrich. Uh, so we had Dr. Flora and Dr. Alonson, and it was really unusual in the 1880s to have a female doctor at this point. So uh, Dr. Flora, yeah, I know, go Dr. Flora. She was quite the lady. Um, not only did she get her medical degree, married a doctor, they started the business in Anoka, their own practice, um, but she said, you know, I'm going to take care of all the, the women and children in town because they really don't want to go see a man. So here I am. 
And uh, she wrote a number of books that we have at the History Center as well. Um, that's on our she's getting, she's getting cooler. Like oh. <laughs> I already thought she was cool, but she keeps getting better. She is a great lady. Uh, she started the, the Women's Society called the Philolectian Society, and they were the, the lovers of learning. Um, so they started the city library and that so many cool things about Flora. Um, big into suffrage, um, local hero. So here you've got two cool people. They build this house, 1904, and it's got the big columns in front. And I mean, it's it's a lovely mansion on Third Avenue because anybody who was anybody lived on Third Avenue. Sure. So, you know that bed and breakfast you're going to stay in when you come to Anoka? It's called mm. the Tickner House Bed and Breakfast after more dead people. Um, but they have a Third Avenue address because they flip-flopped the house, the front to the back and the back to the front of the house, so that they could actually get a Third Avenue address. They ran the drive <laughs> that way. And then they, they built on a number of lots, and so their, their address is still Third Avenue, but the driveway comes off of a completely different road. So, small-town tidbit. Anyway, back to Colonial it's going to help me out when I visit that. that. That's the bed and breakfast I'm staying at, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'll have to go on another street and then get to the third. Okay, cool. No, exactly. I'm, I'm going to remember this. It's it's strange the things that I specifically remember. I'm like, all right, cool. When I get there, I will make sure. It's like, I want to go to that bed and breakfast. But remember, cool. I'll keep that in mind. Uh, but yeah, back on uh, this ghost. Yeah. Take us off of tangent number 300. Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway. So uh, the History Center used to have an office in Colonial Hall um, before we, we kind of outgrew our, our britches on that one. So we, we spent a lot of time telling the history of the house and the history of the doctors in the house, which was really cool. Um, but when about 20 years ago, when we decided to move to what is now the city library building, um, we looked at the, the incoming renters and we said hope that you don't mind company and sharing the property and they said why mm -hmm. well you know because they're still here you know the doctors they really loved their house and they just never really left and uh deb you know she runs the big white house is what the business it's called it's a, an antique store now and she's like you know i'm okay with with sharing that's that's cool we're we're okay uh, it took them a little bit of time to get used to each other. Uh, the first little while, there was a lot of furniture getting tossed around and mirrors that were breaking. And, you know, there was, there was a bit of uh, settling in to be done with the doctors. But eventually, um, Deb walks in now in the morning and hears footsteps upstairs and hears them come down the stairs by about halfway and then they turn around and they go back upstairs because that's where the doctors had the study and their bedroom and, and whatnot were upstairs. And she's like, all right, well, they're just checking it out. No big deal. And oftentimes they have guests that come in to, you know, buy the, the merchandise at the store and they'll, they'll come downstairs really conspiratorially and say, you know, I, someone's I smell someone's smoking upstairs like I smell smoke and Deb's like yeah well you know what are you gonna do you can't tell the doctor not to smoke his cigar so 
Sorry about that. We'll just just stay downstairs for a little while. You'll be fine. They're tattling on the ghosts? They're tattling on the ghosts. Well, they don't know it's a ghost at that point, right? So then Deb has to tell them that they're a ghost and, you know, he's just having a cigar and all's well. Um, But she told me one time, too, about a they had Santa Claus came and was sitting on, there's a grand staircase that goes upstairs. And Santa was sitting on the staircase taking photos with the, the small people coming through. And a couple days later, a parent brought back a photo and was just livid because she's like, you know, I wanted a nice picture with Santa with my child. And here you are playing pranks. And there's a pair of legs in the photo. <laughs> They've had a number of paranormal groups in that building. And every single one of them has run out of batteries, like, ludicrously quick like um you know within a half hour kind of you know the batteries are gone in their cameras and uh you know they're pointing into the master bedroom i wouldn't want anyone filming me in a master bedroom either so to be fair you know privacy people i feel like these are the most uh human ghosts i've ever heard of because (laughs) Because uh, these are really, you know, progressive, really hardworking go- uh, people. When they were when they were alive, they're really hardworking people. And then when they're dead, they're just like uh, upset that people can move in and move in their furniture. And it's like, uh, no. Um, do you know who I am? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and the the whole coming down the stairs, realizing someone's downstairs and coming up sounds super passive aggressive. Like making it making it very known that I'm coming downstairs and be like, whatever. All right, fine. I'll go back upstairs. Dumb de dum like <laughs> We've got good ghosts in Anoka. There's another house that, you know, is another military guy. And uh he he really takes care of the family. Um, you know, there was one night where there was a, a child had like 104 fever. And mom didn't know about it. And so, you know, he's busy turning on lights and waking up mom so that she figures out that the child has this fever. Um, Same house. Mom's trying to decorate the Christmas tree and trying to put the star up on top of the Christmas tree. And, you know, there's that's problematic on a good day. But she starts falling backwards. She's like, all right, my life is this is it. This is it. I'm gone. And she said she felt. Um, something carry her down and cushion her fall um, before she hit the ground so she wasn't hurt. I would like to think that I'd be that ghost, but I feel like I'd be more like the uh, the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even a smoker, but if I know that people are going to complain about it, I'm dead already. I don't have lungs. I'll smoke. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, there's some really great stories. They're usually pretty helpful. We try to keep it family friendly. So, you know, we, we don't go with the stabbing, screaming, uh, ghosts. If there are good any call heard about those. <laughs> You'd rather have the, uh, the state, the, the, the Christmas tree helpful ghosts. Like, no, right. I, 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 I can, well, I can dig that. I have a, a good respect, a, a healthy respect for the spirit world. So <laughs> I love the doctors. I, I keep thinking, I, my, my mind is going to keep on going to that because like I, I, 
the family that found the legs in the background. That's like who, that that would be upsetting for the family who want a, a a nice. They they got everyone dressed up. They're gonna take a photo with Santa. It's gonna come out great. They get the photo and they're like, okay. <laughs> and the bummer is that they don't have the photo. They took the photo with them, so it's like this mystery moment that. Alas, it would have been a great photo. We have a photo of Sam. So we actually do have a photo on one of our first ghost tours. Somebody took a picture of the front of the house, and you can see a white shirt and some suspenders in the, the window of the house. That's rad. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, your, your, uh, Anoka sounds like it's full of uh, history. Everything that I keep seeing on, on your website and talking to you uh, this town just keeps getting more and more amazing. Um, and you recently, in September, I think it was in September, the the unwise murder event. Yeah. What was that like? <laughs> that was called COVID panic. That's what sure. that was. <laughs> um, As a lot of these events are called, they're, they're nicknamed. <laughs> Shorthand. Um, so a couple of years ago, we put on uh, kind of a dinner theater with uh, another murder. Apparently, we're totally focusing on blood and guts in our world of history here. I'm coming to realize. Uh, Mary Fridley was murdered down in Fridley. That's how the town got its name. And so we put on a, a dinner theater. Um, the victim named the town? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Don't be laughing at our history here. Oh, I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. I'm just, uh, that, that'd be an unusual thing. Because, like, a lot of people don't know the names of my town or the the reason why they're names. And so it'd be funny if someone said, oh, why is this town named this way? Oh, okay. Someone died. All right. <laughs> Her dad was important, you know. Um, but, yeah, so we, we put on this dinner theater of the, the trial because we had all the documentation and we, we recreated the, the entire trial, and it was super fun. And we thought, we should do that again. And so, lo and behold, in the meantime, we we rediscovered a cache of documents, like like 25 boxes worth of documents from the county attorney back in the day. And uh, so we thought, well, you know, what if we went through all of his notes and his documents and all these cases and see what we can find? Uh, so the volunteers started rifling through things and smoothing everything out, putting them in, in some better folders. And as they were going, they found this Wise family case. And it happened in 1900. And the Wise family was murdered in their home around the kitchen table. And spoiler, to this day, it's still a cold case. But we had in this folder, we had all of the court testimony and we had diagrams that were drawn of the, the kitchen and we had handwritten letters that were from the boyfriends to the girlfriends and we had everything and it was so cool. That's, so that's such was, a, it was just awesome. to be able to read through yes. that and seeing like uh, how people back then would write a criminal case is so cool. <laughs> Yes, it was brilliant. And all of Pratt, he was the attorney, um, all of his hand scribbled notes, you know, so not only are you deciphering 1900s cursive, but it's quick 1900s cursive. So <laughs> a little challenge, but we got there. And um, a lawyer quick. 
<laughs> right? It's almost the doctor, but not not quite. Sure. And oh my gosh. So we we started digging in to this and we thought this is gonna make a great dinner theater event again, right? COVID. Whoop. Like crud. All right. This is gonna make a great video. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're history geeks. We can totally put together an hour-long show by ourselves. Of course we can. Why not? Because we can do anything. So we set to work um, doing all the research of kind of mapping out the timeline of what was going on, where everything happened, you know, their alibis of going to the baseball game and the dances that they were at and where the houses were and where the lake was, where they found the rifle. And so we're mapping all of this stuff out and putting it on timelines and looking through newspapers and reading all these articles that were printed and it was, it took a long time. We did all this research and then we put it into a script. So we had to write the whole script based on all of the research that we did and consolidate a couple personalities and, you know, kind of fictionalize what we needed to. Um, so we apologize to the history minded. It's not exact, exact, but we got there. And then we started the filming process. Uh, so we had volunteers come in and they, we did some voiceovers. We did some in-person face-to-face uh, -face components. So think frontline, dateline, you know, where your, your neighbor is sitting there saying, well, I don't know, they were the quiet ones. You know, <laughs> kind of a show. And uh, so we, we put this together, introducing the, the girls who had boyfriends uh, who allegedly, after you get through a number of suspects, the letters surface where the four of them were planning to take out the parents because there was an inheritance in the balance that if they got that, they could get married, they could run away together. And oh, shock. And uh, so we, we put this whole thing together and uh, put it on as a, a fundraiser. Um, and we're going to rerun it the week of Halloween. So it's not too late to buy tickets to watch that as well. Sweet. No, I, I think I you had mentioned, spoiler, <laughs> uh, a rerun of the show. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like a fun a fun show to watch during October. As you get closer to Halloween, I, want, I, want, I need in my life more spooky stuff that I don't know about. And if you can also add a history, sold. <laughs> We, we were really proud of how it turned out. Um, it was for a, a first effort. It's awfully professional looking, I will say. So. I think I saw on your website a teaser for it, and that, that did look pretty cool. I'm looking very forward to that. Um, and I, I love it that you said, uh, <laughs> to the history minded, we still had to make up stuff, because it's like, do history buffs watch movies based on stuff and they're just really upset about everything <laughs> like... oh yeah yeah it, it's the worst. it is the absolute worst to to watch movies especially military ones if if you happen to be military historian and you watch military movies it's the worst oh because yeah that signia's buttons it, it's bad i've 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 seen history buffs look at comic books and get upset about the tank <laughs> Like they'll be like, oh, uh, that tank is not uh, period accurate. Thank you. 
the really cool thing about the video that we were able to do is that all all the images you see are from our collection. Uh, you know, so we were able to pull everything out of our collection as far as, you know, here's the courthouse and here's the school and, and all the rest of it. So it's it's definitely more history than not. That sounds rad. Um, now, uh, in an email, uh, you had mentioned the, the but sorry to get, get completely off the t track, but you uh, I want to get back to pumpkins. Um, you said something about, uh, you emailed me earlier about a pumpkin, uh, uh, thing, festive, festivity. <laughs> There's a pumpkin thing. <laughs> um, the, the stamp unveiling perhaps. Oh, that's the thing. Yes. Sorry. I'm still going on the, uh, 24 hour comic book day exhaustion. Uh, yes. The pumpkin stamp unveiling. I would love to hear about that because two things I love, uh, pumpkins. And the second one is helping the post office as much as I possibly can during this time. Philately. That would be your word of the day. I'm, I hope I remember it. <laughs> and, the, and the philatelic folks. So we, we learned that word back, it was 2016 and we didn't have many people who knew anything about stamp collecting. So, to try to get our tongues around philately. That was the goal of many a meeting for the committee. So, I bet. Yeah. So, I'm not even we, gonna, hold on, philately. Anoka currently, I believe, the Guinness Book World Record holder for people at a stamp unveiling event. We <laughs> talked about 100, thank you. They apparently don't get that big, generally. <laughs> but Anoka doesn't do anything small, so the stamp unveiling, there was, we had to apply. Uh, so there was, well, rewind. So there was a, a series of four pumpkin stamps, jack-o'-lantern stamps that were going to be released in 2016. And they need a place to release stamps in so they can do the first day issue and they can create these collectible caches. So you had a bunch of places vying for the, the Halloween, you know, there was a lot of places that thought they ought to be the place where these jack-o'-lantern stamps got unveiled because, of course, they're Halloweeny. And again, true to form, Anoka went out and deluged the poor postal system with letters and recommendations and reasons and phone calls. And I think we just beat them to death, actually, into submissions. So, so I we feel were like. I feel like just saying you're the Halloween capital of the world should have already blown out all of the other letters of all the other requests. I think that was in bold letters at the top of the letterhead originally, yeah. Good, because that would be ridiculous. I'm like, oh, we, we, our town should be it because we love Halloween. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> that's cute, but... <laughs> but here we are. Um, yeah, so we we got the, the designation, and... Um, the the city had an enormous banner representing you know the four stamps like city building size where they unfurled it down the side of the building um you know the band was there amy klobuchar was there um it was it was a big thing i got to speak for a couple minutes i got to sign cards you know the whole green room experience it was quite fancy but they had these four jack-o'-lantern stamps and they're adorable stamps so we we spent the day doing stampy pumpkiny things and the old <laughs> post office happened to have his 100th anniversary that same year so it was like this double 
double hit for history that day. So that was a pretty cool experience. And it's the Guinness, uh, the Guinness record of <laughs> highest attendance for stamp unveiling. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, I, I am happy to stand corrected if I am misquoting that. But to the I best I of my knowledge, yes. I, I I don't see uh I don't see many of our listeners really being that uh <laughs> like that like oh I need to find out which one which town loves stamp stamp unveiling more. <laughs> you've you've literally just laid down the gauntlet and I'm going to get emails about this now. <laughs> you t- you mentioned that like uh you have historians uh emailing you about uh <laughs> just being upset about stuff. Accuracy is highly regarded in the history field. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, so, so you said this was big enough event that I can actually find a like I, I could probably find a YouTube video about this unveiling, right? I believe so. Yeah, there is one that exists, and you'd see the whole plaza in front of City Hall covered in people and uh, merchandise being sold, and collectors came in to get their first day covers stamped. You know, there's a, a special first day issue stamp that goes across all four of the the stamps and special designed uh, cachet envelopes. Uh, So like, for instance, the History Center made uh, an envelope and it has to be regulation size and it it has art on it with the stamps and the cancellation and those become collectibles. Um, But there's there's art contests, um, speaking of uh, illustrator cartoony types out there, um, there is an art contest for stamp cachets so that could be a whole nother world for you to break into. Absolutely, I uh, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna write that down because uh, any 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 art contest that comes my way, I'm always like, oh, <laughs> I do love art contests. Uh, one, one year uh, I went to a coffee shop and they had all these filters, the coffee filters on the back and on the back of the walls. Like, oh, what's up with those coffee filters? And they're like, oh, well, we're giving a free cup of coffee to anyone who draws something that we like. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, I would like a cup of coffee. Could I get a filter? <laughs> I, I just, I drew them and I was like, they'll love this. And I got my free cup of coffee. I'm like, I like drawing contests. Um, no, that's really, that, that's, uh, you're, you're, I need to save money at some point, but I keep, <laughs> you're going down a list of all the stuff I want to buy now. <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need, uh, I need, a the Halloween Capital World festivity button. I need the the pumpkin bowl button. Um, I need the uh, the the book, the centennial book. Yes, yes. And I'm our videos. S- and the and the videos. And I'm definitely going to go check out the uh, the unwise uh, murder event. And where would be where would that link be? So if anyone wants something to entertain them during the you said it's going to be during the last week of October, correct? Yes, yes. So the, the website for us is anocacountyhistory.org, and that's where all of our things live, uh, the online exhibits, the tickets, uh, our collection, general news and views, our blog, it all lives at anocacountyhistory.org. Uh, we're also on all the social medias at uh, Anoka County History or Anoka CO History, depending on how many letters we get to cram into the names there, but Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, we're all over it. Excellent. And we would be able to get, we would be able to find a link for the book there, right? Uh, yes. Sorry. I had to think back to what I actually put on. The 
Yes, there's Anoka Halloween dot org also has the book, so that okay, would be the, they're a separate nonprofit from us. Cool, just making sure because I, I I I got I gotta get this book. I need this book. Like I, <laughs> as much as I want the buttons, the book I definitely need to get, especially because this is the hundredth anniversary of the longest Halloween celebration, uh, presumably in the universe. <laughs> We're sticking to it. <laughs> I really want to make a story of like an alien invasion being like uh incorrect. <laughs> What's your next comic book? Oh, absolutely. I'm just I'm trying to imagine like what what would what would be how the Halloween name would have happened in a different planet. Uh coincidentally, same name for the holiday, completely different origin. Um uh, do you have anything, uh, any little last notes that you would like to mention to uh, anyone who's interested in visiting Anoka? Last notes? Um, gotta go canoeing down the Mississippi. That's totally unrelated to Halloween, but it's a that's, hobby. That's totally okay. <laughs> I, I, it doesn't have to be Halloween related. It's just uh, anything to celebrate your town. <laughs> oh, gosh. The county itself is is just such an interesting place um, because it's the the southern part of it dips down into the the Minneapolis area, so it has a completely different flavor than you know the the northern and western side of things that are more rural. Um, so there's there's so many different personalities as you move through the 21 cities that are in the county, and Anoka has the the longest running history because it was on the rivers and the railroad were there um but it's it's definitely only a portion of the county you know the the 21 cities that make up the county and the agriculture uh, the history that was there for the agriculture and things like wire grass and and it's it's just such an interesting county to work in and be the keeper of the history of it's a a real privilege to have my job this is this is cool because uh, you you sold me on a book and a bunch of merchandise and you sold me on a bed and breakfast that I have to stay at. See, there you go. I used to sell Mary Kay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I it's been an absolute pleasure uh, he hearing from someone who is actually in Anoka, Minnesota, because there's only so much you can do that you can find out on Google. Um, I love hearing about the, 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 the kid. What was the kid's name that went to Congress? Because I don't even Blair. think that Google... Blair? Harold. I loved your story of him in the sweater. Has, it's, I, it's definitely going to be my story. I, <laughs> I refuse to... Like, at first, it was the excitement of the, per, of the kid being like, oh, I can't wait to celebrate this. But I love the idea of him begrudgingly bringing over advertisement for their town. <laughs> I'm totally going to get in trouble now. <laughs> You're not going to get in trouble. It's, you know, we don't really know. <laughs> I mean, you said that history buffs get really upset about inaccuracy, so. <laughs> uh-huh. I'll let you know when the hate mail starts coming in. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on here. Um, I look forward to, at some point, visiting Anoka, Minnesota, and uh, checking out all of your awesome ghosts. Oh, this was fun. I really appreciate it. And when you get up to us, I'll buy you a cup of coffee and give you a free filter. Ooh, even better. More free filters. <laughs> ah, man. Well, thank you so much. Um, and uh, I hope you have a, uh, a happy Halloween. Yeah, you also. Enjoy. Thanks so much.
Oh, 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 oh,